This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Trade in. Right. Oh, sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's they're not finishing. Good. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. Thank you, Tyler, for counting us in, even though that will probably cut out of the beginning. But everybody, welcome back. We're up to episode 61 of the TLDR podcast, and we're back to a full crew for the first time in some amount of time. Don't know how long, can't keep track of the weeks. But first things first, Eric, you were not here last week for sure, and I think the week before that. So how was Vegas? How was Summer League? All that fun stuff. Uh, Fuck Vegas. Um. Not just the hockey team, but the whole city in general. Um, I won't be going back for like five years, literally, unless I'm forced <laughs> to go. Is uh, it the heat? Yeah, like I can't handle the dry weather. I was just waking up. My eyes were dark red every day. I was like fully inflamed from the dry heat. It's like a blow dryer <laughs> out there. Um, but on a positive note, it was fun a little bit, I guess. It was good to work. I guess I got to see a lot of the uh, upcoming rookies in the NBA. But, you know, other than that, it's good to be back. How much money did you lose? Huh? How much money did you lose? Dude, only like $100. I didn't really like gamble much. Yeah, I'm not the biggest. I only gamble on DraftKings, no free ads um, with us (laughs) and like obviously fantasy. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not a big like stick money in a machine guy. I like that. Well, glad you're back. Sorry you with the, you know, you got blow dried out of Vegas, I guess. <laughs> uh, traded, my man. How are you doing? How was your weekend? Dude, it was busy. I played 36 holes of golf. Well, actually, no, I didn't. That was not. Couldn't. That's a lie. Because I couldn't finish my uh, second round. Um, because I ended up going to the, the Niners-Chargers game at SoFi Stadium, preseason game with James and a good friend of ours. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was such a I mean, crazy weekend. I did so much and now I'm exhausted, but I, you know, I just want the next weekend to come so I could do even more stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's only Monday, so yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you got ways to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James, so you were at that SoFi uh, Chargers Niners game. How was the new stadium? Oh my God, dude. Okay. So that was my first football game ever. So I've never been to any other stadium beforehand. And like, that was amazing. Like the ambiance of it, it was a Chargers game. So, you know, like the fans, the Chargers fans suck. Like they're not real fans, but it was still fantastic. Like it was, it was basically a Niners home game. Yeah. Trading back me up on that. Like for, it was, there yeah. was way more red than there was blue. Um, drinks were normally priced, give or take. We had great seats, 50 bucks end zone. It was good. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, talked to a lot of people were nice. I had a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of memories. And also went to Chili's after, which is also really good. Chili's and SoFi Stadium. So it's at. <laughs> Although, I mean, no. I, I just kind of worry though. Like, 
you went to SoFi, which is the greatest, you know, stadium on the planet. Like the next stadium you go to, you're going to be like comparing it to that and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's true. That last screen, dude. You can't just go Jumbotron, all in on the best one. <laughs> the Jumbotron was legit. Oh, it, it was, was literally insane. both sides. It was the outside it was and the inside. Of the oh, God, it was crazy. Thank. Too bad the Raiders aren't still in Oakland, so you could go to the Coliseum because that would be <laughs> the pinnacle of SoFi, and then the shit that is. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I have also only ever been to one football game. I went with Tyler. It was a Rams Niners game in the call at the Coliseum. Uh, it was Week 17, so the Rams sat everyone, and, and the Niners won. And the Niners won, but the Rams went on to the playoffs. So. That's that was fun. Uh, but Tyler, <laughs> last one. How you doing? Yeah, I've been. I'm tired. I uh, got just got off a 70 hour work week last week, and gonna roll into another 70 hour work week this week. So, uh, been very busy with work. So it's been uh, times to actually sit down and chill and relax. Have been very far, far and few in in between. Uh, but hey, that's the grind. I'm just questioning my whole career choice, but it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> okay, hold up, real fast. For anybody out there who wants to be an AT. Don't be an AT. It yeah. is not worth it. No. It's shit pay for a lot of work. <laughs> We're really Go motivating. Business. Go do bad, business bad like Traden does. Yeah. He's making a ton more money than all of us combined. Yeah. So that don't do AT. It, yeah. It's a shit career. So what should we do? We all right. Right. So uh, you just crawl a hole and die, PSA. really. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty aggressive. If we got a PSA yeah. from James, don't be an AT. And we've got three free ads. For SoFi Stadium, Chili's, and DraftKings. So we're starting off the episode great, boys. Good job. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will come back with Tyler's Oh Dance. Right back. Welcome back. We're getting into our first segment here, and it is Tyler's Oh Dance of the Week for MLB Baseball. Tyler, take it away. Thanks, Alex. Oh, damn. We got another great week of baseball. Um, and there was, you know, like I said, we are fish. We have officially rounded third base and heading home now. So guys, we've passed third base. All right. Yeah. Going home. This, this joke's been been really. Yeah. We're, we're the thing is, we're gonna the keep only people that get it are me and Trayton. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> the Angels just stole first there. base, though. No, the Angels are playing today. Angels are running Literally. backwards. How do you steal first base? They just walk to first drive. base. Like, oh, this no, is where they can, are in there. You can technically first steal first base when they strike you out and it hits the ground and the catcher doesn't get it. <laughs> so then you go out of first. I mean, that's called a drop-in strike. Yeah. Anyway, this is getting... <laughs> Anyways. First, before I get into my own damn moments, I want to say a huge congratulations to Miguel Cabrera. He hit his fifth hundredth home run. Um, uh, quite a big uh, club to be a part of. Uh, he was the first Venezuelan-born player to join the 500 home run club. So, so congrats to Miggy. Um, amazing career so far I'm out there with uh, the Marlins and the Detroit Tigers. Uh, so congrats, Miguel Cabrera. Uh, so move, but moving on to my oh damn moments. Um, number one here, uh, Lance Lynn got ejected during a substance check, but it's not what you're thinking. He did not get ejected because he had a foreign substance. He got injected for lightly tossing his belt at the umpire during the check. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, you should watch it. Um, it's pretty crazy. One of the softest ejections I think I've ever seen. 
But essentially, everyone knows, you know, the umpires are doing substance checks in between innings as the pitchers are walking off the mound after they threw an inning. So the Lance Lynn's walking back to the dugout. The umpire who's doing the check was very late coming to him. So Lance Lynn was basically already in the dugout by the time the umpire got his attention. Lance Lynn gently set his glove and his hat on the rail of the dugout, nice and easy, kept walking. He was walking towards the uh, training room to get whatever work he needed to get done in, in, in between innings. And he was taking his belt off and legit, just legit, just tossed it to the umpire. The umpire wasn't, hadn't happened to be looking at Lance at the time. He hit the umpire kind of on the shoulder a little bit. And the umpire decided just ejected from the game just for that sole reason. Um, a pretty interesting ejection. So it was only after four innings, Lance Lynn, probably the favorite to win the AL Cy Young at, at, at this point. Uh, pretty brutal. But uh, James, I want to ask you on a scale of one to 10, like, how soft was this ejection? Softer than Eric's belly three years ago when Ooh. he was fat. That's pretty <laughs> soft. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, dude. Throwing. Jeez, bro. People to, don't to forget. Be fair, to be fair, Eric has come a long way, man. Like Eric is like lean now. <laughs> but back when back in the day, <laughs> he'll tell you himself. He was he said he called himself fat. I don't want to feel that bad. But just kidding, kind of. Um, on a scale of one to ten. One being the softest and 10 not being that soft, or is it the other way around? How would you rate that? So 10 would the be... the you're looking for is hard. <laughs> <laughs> ten hard would, or soft? 10 would be... 10 being, like, really soft. One being, like, the dude, like, punched the umpire in the face. <laughs> I'm going to go with 10. For sure, 10. Very soft, a.k.a. not very hard. So not hard <laughs> oh man what a what, what what a podcast so far boys oh, man we're going off the rails yeah, i come yeah. back for the first time in a while and we're just fucking all over the place <laughs> i love this this is good this is organic but let's look at context here going back to the question at hand and tyler you painted a beautiful picture of how this went down contextually like he the umpire was late lance lynn needed to get checked by the athletic trainers and don't be an athletic trainer ever um, but he needed to go get checked by an athletic trainer because he was dealing with some shit, right? And to be honest, pitchers do, deal with shit all the time. Like they get blisters, they get sore, they got to keep warm, warm during um, the time that, that the offense is up. They need work to be done. And the fact of the matter is the umpire was late. Is that Lance Lance's fault? No. So he reacted in a way that he's like, all right, here's the belt. And I'm going to go talk to who I got to talk to. I obviously don't got shit on me because I'm just giving it to you at this point. Right. And the fact that the umpire got so butthurt about that is just an indication of where we are in like sports as a whole, like the whole taunting rule in the NFL that is soft. And this is kind of on par with that. And it's just, society as a whole is getting soft too, because all these rules are just making it hard for people to show emotion. And so the less emotion that is shown when somebody does show emotion it, it gets perceived as something very bad and it's a cycle. So you can't show emotion, but then you show emotion. So they make rules against the motion and then you show emotion again. And then people who haven't seen emotion are now not able to know what emotion is like. So the more rules are being put into place, the softer the sport gets. And I don't like that at all. But truth be told, Lance Lynch should not have been ejected. There was like zero miles behind what he did. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, it was, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't know if you guys know of uh, John Boy Media, but he did a great uh, breakdown of this whole ejection. If you don't know, 
uh, you know, you, you can YouTube those, but he breaks down kind of, he's really good at like lip reading and understanding what the guys are saying. This, well, the one he did on this one's pretty funny. Um, if you, if you go and watch it, but yeah, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like that umpire, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if he's having a bad day. I don't know if he had something against Lance Lynn, you know, I don't know what team they were playing, but maybe he was a fan of the other team. I don't know what was going on, but it was, it was just a really bad look on the umpire's part. And I don't blame Lance Lynn or the White Sox and if we're getting really pissed off at that ejection because that was absolutely ridiculous. Hopefully that doesn't happen again because that's just bullshit. Um, moving on to my second oh damn moment. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, some uh, uh, owner who made a comment about one of his teams, and that's Steve Cohen. He's the owner of the New York Mets. The Mets lately have not been playing very well, especially offensively. Offensively, they haven't been playing very well all season. Uh, and the owner, Steve Cohen, who just, you know, he bought the Mets recently, um, was, he's already been pretty outspoken, but you know, this time he's really talking about specifically the, the play on the, the play on the field. Uh, he tweeted last Wednesday saying, quote, it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. Um, I would say overall, that's a fairly fair comment to assess how poor the Mets offense has been, but being the owner and, you know, owners typically, you know, aren't exactly directly involved with what's going on on the field necessarily they're kind of you know up in their ivory tower so to speak and not involved in the day-to-day grind of you know uh playing baseball or playing any sport for 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 that matter so uh trade and i want to ask you do you get does that rub you the wrong way when ownership criticizes the play on the field do you think owners have a right to publicly you know say those kind of things like what like what's your thoughts on owners you know kind of publicly shaming their team I've been back and forth on this one, man. Like it's, it's a tough one because if let's look at it one, let's look at it another way. If, if the, the Mets are playing well and Steve Cohen is supporting them on Twitter, are we having this conversation? Like there's a double standard. He owns, he owns the fan. He owns the team. He's just as much, if not more of a fan than anybody else on, on, on that Mets family. In fact, he's probably the biggest, like, you know, everyone says, Oh, I'm your biggest fan. He is the biggest fan. He bought the fucking team. Like, like you have to be, you have to be invested in the team. If, if you're, if, you know, if you're, if, if you're going to be, a, if you're uh, as a fan, so um, you know, he's the most invested, but that said, it's tough because you, you don't want, you don't want your, your owner coming in and, and, and shitting on your players. But I look at this tweet and I say, is it that bad? I mean, yeah, it, it is. It is an outspoken owner saying something. And to, and to be fair, you know, he probably he probably can look inward because, you know, some of the things he's done probably could have like a little bit. You know, people are, are saying all over that that maybe the the uh, the, the pain is self-inflicted to a, to a certain extent, like some of the moves that he's made, which is fair. But then again, this is a team that was, you know, strong, very strong in their in their division. And all of a sudden they, they plummet to third place. That, that's a That's a huge drop. And, you know, let's look at looking at what he said, if it like any other, any other fan saying the same thing, like what, like, it's not like he's, he's constantly berating his team. In fact, he's been the biggest cheerleader for them since he bought the team. And that, and his sole, his sole focus is to actually be in win mode, which you can't say that about every other order in, in sports, you know, in in our sports team, some of them are very quiet and they don't give two fucks. uh, I look at you, uh, James Dolan. You don't give a fuck if the Knicks are good. You don't give a fuck if the Rangers are good. You're just waiting for the paycheck, you piece of shit. At least Steve Cohen actually has a little bit of passion for his team. Is it a little neg- negative? Maybe. But even his own player, who is, uh, I think it's uh, Lindor, 
if, uh, his, his own player who's actually one of the main culprits of, of, of being on the struggle bus, he's probably driving it at this point. He said that Steve Cohen had every right to, 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 you know, light a fire under his team's ass. That's what I look at it. Like, you know, that's what I look at here. Uh, everyone's saying, Oh, you know, there's better way to, there's better ways to do it. Go to your general manager. <laughs> don't think he's done that. Come on now. He's just, he's, he's a little bit more outspoken than your, than your typical, uh, than your typical owner. These are professional baseball players, guys. This, I mean, it's just like the taunting rule. It's just like the, the thing that James has talked about with, uh, with the, the ejection. We're getting so fucking soft. Like this is not that big of a fucking deal. He just said that, the, that the offense is bad. It's bad. <laughs> They're like 28th in the fucking league guys. This is the owner that wants to win. I respect that. Now, if he co- turns around and starts th- throwing out players into, you know, specifically on Twitter and says, oh, you need to get fucking traded or you need to fucking leave or, you know, then, then we have an issue. But he literally showed, he literally was saying as a whole, we have a very unproductive offense. The numbers are, are shit. And that they, he did, and he doesn't understand it. And he, he like, what? Like, that's, that's just like every other, any other fan. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that a butthurt about it like other people thinking that you know this is the end of the of the met season it may well be the end of season but i'm not going to blame his tweet because of that because they're just not footing the bill um you know there's a there's obviously some some spectrum that that you know you can go too far there's a line i don't think he's crossed the line and maybe i'm wrong but that's hardly across the crossing the line from my perspective unless we really are that fucking soft Maybe we are. I don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of on the same I'm kind of on the fence as well. I kind of lean more towards though. However, I don't think he should have tweeted it. I don't blame him at all for saying it and for thinking it. That's absolutely of fair course. because the Mets are atrocious on, on, on offense and he should have the right to, I'm sure he's already expressed those opinions around, you know, other management um, and that should be okay. But I just think going to the level of deciding to post on it publicly, I think is another level of, I don't know, just, just a behavior that I don't really love. I think it's just, that's more asking for attention for yourself. I think maybe he was trying to motivate the team, but like you're with the team, like you're the owner of the team. Why not talk to them directly if that's what you want to do or something like that, instead of just going publicly and letting the world know how you feel about it. I don't know. I I think it was, to me, it's more of a selfish kind of thing to do. Um, then it is actually like, I, I don't know what this accomplishes. I don't know if this is going to make the Mets any better. I don't, I, I really don't. Um, so that's kind of my opinion on it. Um, and I also For just sure. think it kind of rubs the wrong way when a, you know, I mean, I don't know what Steve Cohen's background as far as him ever playing baseball in his life is, but it's probably very little and probably not nearly to the level of the guys that are actually trying to do it. And as we know, playing baseball is plenty playing any pro- pro- professional sport is very difficult at that, at that level. And you're going to go through struggles. Um, it just seems bad from a guy that isn't in that to say that from my perspective, especially when you're the owner, like a fan, of course, you know, say whatever, the, what, whatever you want, but as the owner, as the leader of your team, like going out there publicly and making your own kind of sob story about your team to me, just seems a little bit selfish and kind of, you know, a pity party, but anyway, um, thanks trading for that, for, uh, for, for that take, um, the, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, everybody, are in a playoff spot. And guess who's not? The San Diego Padres. It's getting pretty crazy. The Padres have been absolute shit the second half of the season. The Reds have been slow, kind of sneakily on the surface, you know, been right about there. And they finally overtook the Padres this weekend. And they are, if the season ended today, 
it would be the uh, Reds and the Dodgers in the wild card game. So there's still a lot of baseball left. Uh, but the Padres, who everyone thought was a no-brainer to make the postseason, may not make the postseason at this point. You know, we got roughly a month left. The, 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 the Padres are in a rough spot. The Reds are playing very, very well. So, Eric, I want to ask you a question. You know, do you see that second wild card staying the way it is? You know, the Reds making the playoffs and the Padres missing? Or do you think the Padres have a chance to come back and retake that spot? I think, and I want to believe the Padres are not done and they still have a chance. I actually kind of like them. They're like my backup team, I guess, because the Angels always have been letting me down these last like 10 years. <laughs> um, I just like the, the swagger they have kind of, you know, the things trading has mentioned about them too. I kind of agree with that. Um, but, you know, looking at all their stats, I'm looking at the Reds earlier. They are starting to click. Um Throughout the season, four players with high slugging percentages, Castellanos, Schrock, Winker, and Votto, or maybe it's Voto. Um, Votto. Votto. First time. Um, three out of four of those guys have over 100 hits, and three out of four of those guys have 70 or more RBIs. And then you look at um, three pitchers notable for them, Anton, Wilson, and Warren, all ERAs under 2.0. So – if they make a postseason spot, they do kind of look a little dangerous. They have some weapons. Um, they got it's almost like they got nothing to lose if they do make it. Um, if they were to play the Dodgers, it's like the Dodgers have everything to lose if they're playing that one game wild card. Um, but then you look at the Padres, their top five hitters, similar in the slugging percentage, not as high, but they're not as consistent on the RBI side. Um, they're more, they just hit a lot of home runs and they may not be as meaningful the runs that they're scoring versus the Reds. Um, and then you look at the Padres pitching is what's killing them. Uh, no pitchers with ERAs below 3.0, pitching like the Angels, basically. It's but, real fast. I got to interrupt you real fast. They just fired their pitching coach and have a new pitching I saw coach. that. I actually saw that like 30 minutes ago. I was like, damn. So mm-hmm. they, could have a, they could have an impact, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're talking, when you're talking about the Reds and are the Padres done, I was thinking like they're nine games back, like the Angels. They're one game out of the wild card. So never say never, but you know, I'm hoping they find a way to claw back because I like watch, you know, them versus the Dodgers was was fun to watch last year in the playoffs. So it'd be nice to see that maybe a wild card game with those two teams. Yeah, it's this race is far from over. It's gonna be really interesting to to uh, see how it plays out, but. Eric, I mean, I think, I think you're pretty much now. I mean, the Reds offensively are lethal. They're, they have a great lineup that they put out there every single day. One of the best offenses in the game. And their, their pitching is really was what, what has elevated them from a, you know, a, you know, a 500 team to a team that's contending. And the Padres are kind of the opposite. You know, they, you know, off, offensively, they're very consistent in pitching, which was supposed to be their strength. And for the, for the first half of the season, they led the majors in team ERA you know, since the second half of the season has been atrocious on, on, on the pitching side, they've got a lot of injuries and just a lot of guys that are not performing up to their expectations. As you, as James mentioned, they did just fire their, their, their pitching coach. It's, it's, it's that bad um, over there in San Diego. And when you, when you, when your strength is your weakness, that's a problem. And that's what the Padres are going through right now. Um, so it's, it's bad. I, I don't think it's far from, I don't think it's over by, by any means. I think the Padres on paper, are definitely the, the, the better team. And if they can just, you know, I, you know, maybe they're just going through a, a rough time here. If they finish strong, I think that they would beat the Reds 
over a course of a 30 day stretch, you know, I would say most of the time. Um, so we, so we, we will see what happens. I also agree with you in terms of the matchups for a wildcard game. I would love to see, you know, the NL West, however it plays out, you know, wh- wh- whoever wins the division, the uh, Dodgers or, or Giants, you know, whoever makes that wild card, having that NL West wild card game would be super, super fun to watch. So I kind of do want the Padres to make it for, for that reason, but also, you know, fuck the Padres. Like I think the Reds are a much cooler story, you know, kind of the underdogs. <laughs> I would like to see them in a, in a, in a, in a playoff spot too. Um, so it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, I love races like this. It's always fun. This is the time of year, which really, really exciting every single day you're scoreboard watching and it changes daily. So keep, keep an eye out for that second wild card spot out there in, in the, in the national league as we head down the stretch here, uh, moving on to my, uh, fourth O dam, or it's, it's more of a kind of a topic of conversation here. Um, Alex, uh, you, me, and, uh, our buddy, Matt, we kind of have a little group chat that we talk about sometimes. And he brought up the case of, you know, Fernando Tatis, you know, being the favorite for NL MVP and how he didn't really agree with that. And I thought that was an interesting topic. So I thought I would talk about it here on the podcast. You know, Tatis has been injured for a good amount of this season. You know, statistically, he still leads the National League in a bunch of categories. So I think overall, I, I would think I would, you know, when healthy, he's the best player in the NL. But is he the MVP? And that's a whole nother conversation to have. So Alex, I want to ask you, I, I, for me, in my opinion, that the National League MVP race is wide open. I think there's four or five guys that have a legitimate shot at winning it, but who's your favorite to win NL MVP? Yeah. Um, I have to give a shout out to you because in that same group text, I, I think the NL MVP should be the general manager of the San Francisco Giants, Farhan yeah. Zahidi. That was a great take on you. Thank you. Uh, or <laughs> traded, I guess. Since yeah. Trayton's the only one that thought they would be good. So That's very true. <laughs> um, but since he can't actually win, yeah. um, I'm not going to pick Tatis. Like, if the, especially if the Padres end up continuing to fall and don't miss the playoffs, he should not be the MVP. Um, he's had a great offensive season, but he's also leading or tied for the league lead in errors. And they've now moved him out of shorts. I mean, I know it's probably for health, mostly for health reasons in the outfield. Um, I haven't really seen if he's done anything that amazing in the outfield, but they've been losing, so they're not getting any highlights. So I, it's not Tatis for me. Um, just the injuries and the errors are something that um, I just just can't can't give it to him. I mean, he could take off and, and take it away, definitely. But um, I think right now my NL MVP is going to be Trey Turner. Um, might be a little bit out there. But he's leading the majors in a batting average at 323. He's got his top three in steals. And now he gets to lead off in front of this incredible Dodgers lineup for the next month and a half. And that could really boost his stats. He's taking over, uh, you know, that second base job. And that's, you know, his job now. He's, got, he's been, I think since he's been activated, he's hit like 500 for the Dodgers he's like 11 for 21 or, or like that was one that I heard it, you know, it's probably changed since then but he's been on fire um he's such a dynamic player like he he scored from first on a like single to the outfield earlier last week he's insane he's going to score a shit ton of runs he's going to get a shit ton of hits um so I'm actually going to give it to Trey Turner but watch out for Bryce Harper I think if the Phillies can somehow figure out their pitching and bullpen woes and they can squeak into the playoffs. Bryce Harper's having a season similar to his MVP season of 2015 in Washington. And people just aren't really talking about it that much because the Phillies are this, you know, 500 kind of mediocre ish team, but 
for Bryce Harbor to be a sneaky pick. Yeah, I like both those picks. And just to comment on the Trey Turner one, you know, when the Dodgers made that their trade for Max Scherzer, I was honestly more pumped to get Trey Turner because this dude is a ball player. And he, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's not going to, he's not a big power guy. And he's kind of, you know, the unconventional way. Like he, he's so good at making contact. Like so many of his hits, if you watch them, are just great at bats and two straight counts. And he finds a way to get the ball in the outfield, find a hole and get on base. Like he's just, it, it, it's a baseball player that doesn't, there isn't around that much and they don't get a lot of attention. So I would love to see a guy like that win a winning MVP. I, I, I think it'd be awesome. Um, another couple of names that I kind of had in there, uh, Jesse Winker of the Reds, I think is a big one. He's had a, an amazing season with the Reds and definitely without a doubt, if Jesse Winker is not having the season he's having, the Reds are not in a playoff spot. And with a lineup that, that that's loaded, you definitely wouldn't expect Winker to be kind of the head of that lineup, but he is. Um, so um, Jesse Winker is one. And then I also want to give a shout out to, you know, my own guy, Max Muncy. I mean, he's had an incredible season. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, one of the reasons why you think uh, Tatis isn't a great MVP is, is, you know, terrible fielding. Max Muncy is a, a great D, 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 defender. Uh, he is just um, one of the best guys at understanding the strike zone in baseball. He, you know, he leads the NL in walks. That's not by accident. You know, he's so patient at the plate. He knows when to swing it. He knows when not to. He's just an amazing professional hitter. He's super fun to watch. And, you know, with, with, with all the injuries that the Dodgers have had with, with Mookie Betts, with Cody Bellinger, um, he's been the guy that's been that staple all season long, along with uh, probably uh, Chris Taylor. Um, so I think Max Muncy definitely deserves a couple nods at MVP as well. Um, so last but not least, we have another City Connect jersey to rate, and it's from the Dodgers. They uh, released them this weekend. They played a couple games against the Mets at home. Um, if you guys haven't seen them yet, uh, basically all blue from head to toe, blue hat, blue jersey, blue pants. Um, it says Lost Doyers on it in the exact same font um, as the normal Dodger jersey. The hat also says Lost Doyers on it. Um, so we're going to go around and we're going to rate it. Um, Alex, you're the other Dodger fan on, the, on, the, on this uh, podcast, so I'm going to start off with you. What is your opinion on the jersey and what do you rate it on a scale of one to 10? Yeah. So when the pictures first came out, you could, it was only the hat and the Jersey hate the hat, not a fan of the hat. It's there's too much, too much work going on there, especially with like how classic the normal Dodgers hat is. I've never been a fan of even when they wrote Dodgers on it, like during spring training games, like, I'm not a huge fan of hats having too much on them to begin with. Um, so I'm not a fan of the hat. And then when the jersey came out, I was like, I mean, it's kind of boring. Like, it's just a different color blue, and it just says Los Dyers on it instead. Like, it's it's not, like, that crazy different. Uh, once I saw the whole thing with the pants and I saw them playing it, I thought it was a lot better. Um, it's, I still think they could have kind of gone, like, bigger and bolder on it um but with the so with the hat downgrading the whole thing i'm gonna give it like a 6.8 out of 10 i guess there's those dodgers there's not a why yeah okay. they, motherfuckers <laughs> you they can, up all y'all say like doyers on it and i'm like i'm reading it and i'm looking okay five sorry, don't say <laughs> don't say y'all we're not in texas <laughs> yeah we are <laughs> too y'all motherfuckers <laughs> Dodgers. I've been to your house. It's not in Texas. <laughs> okay. 
6.3 because it should it should say Los Dyers with a Y. It should. So I'm actually downgrading it because it should say with a Y. Uh, not a fan of the hat. I also really hated the white sweatshirts like the guys oh, yeah. on the bench were wearing. Those were terrible. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it like a 6.3. It looks better with the jersey and the pants, but I'm not a fan of the hat. Yeah. Eric, what do you got on these? Uh, yeah, I agree with Alex. Not a fan of the hat. It would have been better if it was less. I do actually kind of like the little black on the sleeve. Um, but now that you get closer, it looks like it was dipped in like tar or some shit. It's supposed to be like, uh, like spray paint. Uh, well, if it was just like a solid black, like line right there, I, I would like it a little more. Um, I actually, I'm not, I'm not that against the blue pants. Um, did he, did, did he really wear them that baggy though? <laughs> well, Mookie Betts didn't play, but, uh, if he okay. did, I guess, I guess he would have, who knows? Um, I mean, I'd give him, I'd go in the 6.4 range, maybe like one, one notch. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> All right, uh, trading. What do you got on these? Yeah, your creativity is fucking terrible. Th- these are these are terrible, guys. These are th- this is this is not a city connect jersey. This is a fucking jersey that you have already that you just put loss in front of. <laughs> you guys are f- like it, actually, it's your spring training jersey with lo- with the in Spanish in front of it. It's fucking <laughs> stupid. And it and the all blue because I actually was I actually watched the Mets game against Do- Dodgers on the Friday night. I look over to Kylie and I'm like dude look at how blue they are like it's too much of that dark blue it was ugly and they and they and they fucking won and there was controversy and it was it just 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 burn them oh. wow so what's the what's the rating who oh, okay Couple like they're just they're just not they're that okay in terms of in terms of what they look like they're they're fine they're just like any other dodgers jersey but we're we're talking about city connect oh, shit. like it has no connection to la Besides them just touting that they're the Dodgers because that's all LA is about. Like, yeah. if that's your connection, you guys are fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, pretty brutal take there. James, what do you got on these? This has some serious, like, color rush type vibes on it, big time. Um, but I, I got have to go trade. Like, it's really not that different from your regular shit. Like, the Cardinals – or not the Cardinals, the uh, the Diamondbacks – there we go. The Diamondback jerseys were nothing like the regular jerseys, guys. Like th- this is too similar to the point that I'm not a fan of it. I'm not going to go as low as two, but I will say five point three. I got. I don't hate it to the point. I will, I don't hate it to the point that I'm like burn them, but I don't like them to a point where I'm like wear it. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's pretty fair. Uh, my my take on these, I actually am a fan. I like the all blue. I just think, you know, the blue is such a big thing with the Dodgers, you know, the, the boys in blue, you know, I'm, I'm always a little bit of, at first I was like, Oh, blue pants. That's like really weird. But then when I saw them when they were playing, I actually thought it looked pretty cool. And I actually thought the, the players that were wearing um, the, the high, the high socks with, with, uh, with the white socks with the blue pants, I thought that was actually a pretty cool look. Um, so I don't mind the all blue. I agree with what you guys are saying. It looks exactly the same as our regular jerseys, exact same font just the loss of in front of it. They could have done so much more with the font, with the colors, you know, that really make the city connection, you know, a much better 
connection to Los Angeles. I mean, you know, during the promos, as you see in the background there, you know, they got the kind of the graffiti wall and all that stuff. They could have done so much more with that kind of thing. I would have liked to see, I, I don't like the color scheme to be more like how Dodger Stadium looks, which is kind of like, you know, the, you know, classic uh, LA beach and blue sky and like those kind of colors. I think that would be kind of cool to see. Um, and yeah, I, Alex, I agree with you. The hat sucks. It's like the worst hat I've ever seen. I would never buy that. I would never wear it. Um, horrible hat. Absolutely horrible hat. Couldn't see wearing that one, Tyler. Yeah. It, so uh, if, if it was free, if it was given to you for free, you would never wear it. No, I'd probably find someone who would want it. I, I just like. So if that was your only hat ever and it was free, would you never wear it? I mean, it was my only hat ever. I wouldn't have a choice. We're talking about but... the guy that we're talking. We're talking to the same guy that said he wouldn't play golf for free. Like, yeah, dude, you, you got some <laughs> issue. Bro. You know, you got some I, issue, bro. You know, whatever. It's not all about that. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna give this a six point two. I'm kind of on the same wave as Alex and Eric. There, like, it's got some. It's got some cool elements. I honestly really did di- dig the full blue look when it was on the field and they were playing. Like at first, I was a little bit worried about how that would look and i wasn't i didn't love it especially i mean it's also true like the dodgers have one of the best home jerseys of all time like the classic clean white look you can't beat that so like whatever they were going to do it was not going to be as good as the classic white i haven't seen the dodgers play a regular a, a game at dodgers Stadium without the all whites like ever you know it's like sometimes in preseason they'll they'll, they'll wear the blue beat toss but i've never seen them wear blue pants so it was very different but I kind of got used to it. So I kind of liked all blue. I think for me, that's my favorite part of the Jersey, but everything else about it, as you guys mentioned, you know, it's just, it's kind of boring. Like it just kind of said the same thing as normal. And I thought they could have done so much more with the rich culture of, of, of Los Angeles and the, and the rich culture of, of that team. Um, and they didn't. So I think they dropped the ball on that for sure. So six, two for me. Um, but anyway, that's all I got for baseball this week. Thanks guys for your takes and for those ratings. Alex, that's all I got. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, I do believe that that's the last City Connect jersey coming out this season. Um, So I'm expecting next week for you to compile all of our scores and tell us which one's the best. And if that's not done, you're done fucked up. Yeah, I do have a running running Google Excel sheet. So I just have to input my uh, the the Dodgers ones and then we'll find out which team this year won. Cubs. Okay. So, so they didn't. No, for sure the Coyote. Fuck the Diamondbacks. <laughs> you keep so they're not doing the whole. How come they're not doing all of everyone? How come not? I everyone? think. I mean, I think like next year they'll add more and more, but I don't uh, think they're all going to do it all in one season. Got it. They're not all connected to their cities. These yeah. teams. <laughs> not yet until you get Los a Los Angeles yeah. Angels. They're definitely yeah, not right. connected. <laughs> Los <Yeah>. Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, thank you for at least slightly getting the podcast back on track after just the fuck fest that was the first like 10 minutes of this. That was uh, phenomenal. We're, yeah, we're going to take another quick break and then we come back. James is going to go through the next division in the NFL. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We are on to the AFC South. Uh, I don't know. How many do we have left, James? We've got to be pretty close to being Two. down here. So Two. this and then Look one at more. That. Yeah. Oh, okay. Look at that. I haven't been paying attention, obviously. But, yeah, so AFC <laughs> South. James, take it away. All right, guys. This division is really bad at the bottom, really good at the top. So we're going to start with the Jags, who had a record of 1-15 last year, which is last 1-15. 
28th in offense, 29th in defense. Just an atrocious year for this team. Literally the only good thing that came out of the Jaguars last season was undrafted rookie running back James Robinson. Everybody else was doo-doo. Other than that, I mean, like, the, they pretty much just tanked for Trevor the entire time. You could see it after, like, game two. After game two, they were like, yeah, bad year. Garden Mitch is not the dude. Let's get Trevor Lawrence. And that's exactly what they did. And they tried to blow it up this offseason, but it didn't really work out because they didn't add too many pieces. But we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, they do have a new head coach in Urban Meyer. So it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to take that college-type feel and college success to the NFL and see if it translates. Cliff Kingsbury tried it. I don't know if, they're, if he's successful just yet. We'll see. This offseason, they lost pretty much their wide receiver room in Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook, and Keelan Cole. They also lost quarterback Mike Glennon. But on the flip side, they signed quarterback C.J. Beathard from the 49ers, who is not that good. Good luck in Jacksonville. Uh, former running back from the San Francisco 49ers, once again, Carlos Hyde. Their big free agent signing was wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr. from the Lions. They also got Shaquille Griffin, a cornerback from the Seahawks, and defensive lineman Tyson Alualu from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's taking away something from that number one ranked defense. In the draft, obviously the first pick because they had an awful record, and they drafted Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. They also had another pick in the first round, and they drafted running back Travis Etienne out of also Clemson with the 25th pick. So, Tyler, why are the Jaguars going to have a better year? I definitely think they'll have a better year. They got a lot of uh, a lot of guys coming in um, that are going to make this team definitely going to win more than a couple games. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, best uh, you know, the, or the n- number one pick in the draft. Um, he's he's going to be their franchise for for the first time in a while. I think the Jags like have like a franchise quarterback to build around. I think that's huge. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know how Urban Meyer does in the uh, NFL. Obviously, one of the greatest college coaches ever. Um, so we'll see how he transitions to, to the, to the pros. Uh, the Jags are kind of, you know, in a sense, getting the band back together. You got Lawrence back with uh, Travis uh, Etienne, as you mentioned, they were teammates in Clemson. Uh, Carlos Hyde was also uh, under uh, Urban Myers uh, coaching at uh, the Ohio state. Um, so they're getting back together. And uh, so I think, I think there's good chemistry already built into the squad with a lot of key guys. Um, I, so I think that's helpful. Uh, a great wide receiver core, as you mentioned, they uh, got uh, Marvin Jones Jr. from the Lions, along with uh, DJ uh, Chark Jr., uh, Philip Dorsett, and uh, Chenault Jr. last year kind of broke out a little bit, led, uh, led the team in receptions. We'll see if uh, he kind of continues his success there in that Jaguar system. Um, the defense, you know, it's all right. They got a couple of good names, as you mentioned, uh, Kill Griffin from the Seahawks, uh, Miles Jack, I I like him a lot. Uh, he's a great athletic uh, 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 pass rusher there. Um, for me, the Jags, like this season's about focusing on the future. Um, I think the future should be bright. Obviously, it's going to be it's going to be a losing season. They're going to lose a lot of games, but it's not going to be as bad. And hopefully, the step in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see. You know, they have, like as I mentioned, a lot of guys in, with college success. Trevor Lawrence, I think, went like thirty-four and two in his college career, or something crazy. Uh, Urban Myers won three national championships. He's never had a losing season as a, as a uh, head f- football coach in college. He's going to have a losing season for the first time in a very, very long time. Um, so it'll be inter- interesting to see how they manage that. It's a very different challenge for a lot of these guys. So it's going to be a struggle. There's going to be some growing pains, but I definitely think it's going to be a step in the right direction. Alex, tell me about Tyler's bullshit. 
Well, first of all, second shout out to Tyler already, which is annoying, but <laughs> he pronounced Travis Etienne's name correctly, and he's usually terrible at pronunciation. Yeah. So, Tyler, yeah. good for you, bud. Thank you. Um, I don't love – well, first of all, how have we not talked about the fact that Tim Tebow signed with them and then got already cut. got cut? Okay, there we go. <laughs> he, he got cut. Just, I just thought we should bring that up. Good for Tim Tebow for trying to be a tight end. I think that's awesome. Good for you, dude. Didn't work, but hey, you tried it. Um, I don't actually love the Urban Meyer hire. Um, he's had a, some questionable things go on in his, uh, you know, locker room in Ohio State uh, that he just decided not to mention. Um, so I don't really love that hire. Jacksonville's also one of those teams who is, they're just always terrible it's just sort of the deal like jackson jaguars they're a joke um they should be better this year i mean it's pretty hard to go one and fifth well i guess we wanted 16 this year so it's it is uh they will be better because it's really hard to do that twice um i just i just don't i you know trevor lawrence is coming off of an incredible you know college career um but you also he gets to play some there, there's some layups in there um, and there are no layups in the NFL. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Um, all these guys can ball. So I just don't think the Jags have enough right now. Um, but they should be much better. I don't, I don't know, you know, just like you said, James, like the Cliff Kingsbury thing. I don't know if Urban Meyer's, you know, coaching scheme can translate to the NFL right away. Um, you know, I think they've got, I think they've got a lot of growing to do. Um, the defense, you know, still got a long way to go. But the wide receiver core is decent um it's um you know you know got some question marks but they should there should be some good skill there Travis Etienne is a great player um obviously already has that connection with Trevor Lawrence um hopefully you know he comes out kind of like Joe Burrows did for the Bengals and they have a good you know good start but I don't see them winning a whole bunch of games what's the record gonna be I'm gonna go five and twelve Tyler I'm going to go one more than Alex said. So six and 11. I agree with Alex. Surprise, surprise. Five and 12. Just uh, like you guys had mentioned, the offense got a bit better. Trevor Lawrence is definitely a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew was undrafted. Trevor Lawrence has years and years and years of being literally the best football player at his level. You can't really argue with that right there. Um, the thing is, this defense is doo-doo. Um, it used to be one of the best defenses ever. Like they were called Saxonville back in the day. Like they were good. Since then, they've deteriorated. This offense has to carry the load. So it's gonna it's gonna be Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball up a bunch to Marvin Jones Jr., DJ Chark, and hopefully Travis Etienne. We'll see. I'm actually kind of excited to see the combination of Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and Marvin Jones Jr. I want to see what those three can combine to be in the NFL. But pretty much. That's it, man. You're looking at straight up offense. This team won't be that competitive until they know they learn how to score 40 points a night. Five and two. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I got them at three and 14. I give them a couple more wins. Um, obviously, tonight was a preseason game, but you just see Trevor Lawrence getting bashed on the entire game. So, you know, if that's going to be the trend this year, you know, I, I think Trevor Lawrence has a lot of potential and he is their future, but they're just they're not gonna do shit this year. And trading. I like five and twelve. Five and twelve it is. Tyler, let's talk fantasy here. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, ADP is 131. 
Would you rather pick him or Baker Mayfield? Uh, I would go Baker Mayfield. I think he's got a better team built around him. um, So that's going to lead more success. Um, Yeah, I I think that especially the the Jags O-line worries me a little bit in terms of Lawrence being able to be productive and just a new system. There's too much new stuff going on. I trust Baker Mayfield a bit more in a system that he's comfortable with. Okay. Um, in the running back room, we got Travis Etienne, the rookie. His ADP is 70. He's currently the pass catching back. Yet you have the incumbent, Jane Robinson, who finishes running back number seven overall in fantasy last season. And his ADP is 82. So would you rather have Travis Etienne at 70 or James Robinson at 82? It's classic, like, you know, the height versus the guy that, you know, recently produced last season. What do you, how is that going to balance out? That's, that's hard to predict. I tend to go with guys that have shown me that they can produce at the NFL level when I'm, you know, there's a flip-flop there. So I'm going to go Robinson. Okay. And same type of question right here for the wide receiver room. DJ Chark is going at 109. LaVisca Chanel Jr. in his second year is going at 99. And Marvin Jones Jr., who has been very productive in Detroit with uh, Matthew Stafford, is going at 121. So it's kind of weird to see Marvin Jones Jr. dropping as far as he is. Who would you rather have and why? Yeah, it's pretty surprising that Jones is that low. Um, between I, I like Chanel and Jones. I think those two guys are going to kind of leave the pack there. Um, that's a tough one. I, I think, again, I'm probably going to lean towards the guy that's been doing it longer. Uh, so I'm going to go Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, by slide edge there. But look out for Chanel, though. I think this guy um, could potentially be a very, very good uh, fantasy uh, guy to pick up. Love that. Moving on to the next team in the AFC South, the Houston Texans. It's got a lot to talk about here. Four and 12 last season, ninth in offense, 31st in defense. They've had a lot of um, legal controversy this offseason with Deshaun Watson. So I don't know if we should talk about all that much because he may or may not play in this league ever again. I guess we'll find out. They do have a new head coach because Bill O'Brien is bad at his job and pretty much destroyed that team the second he got the job. The new head coach is David Culley. He was the Ravens assistant coach before, and he's looking into this new kind of new age culture and system in Houston. So we'll see how that goes. This offseason, though, they did lose a lot of – they lost two very big names in Will Fuller the fifth wide receiver and defensive end J.J. Watt. But they did sign quarterback Tyrod Taylor, who lost his job to Justin Herbert because he got his lung punctured. They also um, – Signed a cornerback, Desmond King and Terrence Mitchell, running backs, Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram. And the draft, they didn't draft for the third round, so we're not going to talk about it. Eric, why are the Texans going to have a better year than 4 and 12? As you see, H Town, where everything that was once good turns to complete shit, just like the Houston <laughs> Rockets, just like hopefully the Houston Astros, um, and now the Texans. But this is why they're going to be good. Um, if Deshaun Watson plays, they have a chance, but that means he needs to overcome 22 civil lawsuits. So it's looking like Tyrod Taylor, but let's look at this combo right here on the offense. Tyrod Taylor, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram. You could call it a four-headed monster of trickery, or you can call it who the fuck knows. Um, they have Brandon Cooks. I may draft him. I always end up drafting that guy for some reason. Um, I have like a grudge against him, but I also kind of like him. But anyways, um, Watson had his career season last year um, and they were four and 12. 
So let's be optimistic here. Think of it like Westbrook. Uh, he breaks the wec- the record for a triple-double, and he's on the horrendous Wizards, which he probably harmed more than he helped. So let's get to the schedule here. Um, Jaguars at Browns. Panthers at Bills. Patriots at Colts at Cardinals. Rams. Uh, yeah, they're going to go four and four, maybe worse. Um, and they're not going to be good. And uh, they're going to be 6-10-1. I'll give them a tie. Good them a tie. Interesting. Trading. Why, why are the Texans going to suck? <laughs> <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> they're, they've done nothing. They, 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 they've gone backwards. Now, look, this is what happens when you're in rebuild mode. But, like, sometimes you feel like you can kind of, like, flatline before you see that inflection point. They're inflecting down. They're going down before they're going to get better. They don't know what's happening with Watson. And, and besides, he he, pro- he doesn't want to take another snap with them anyway, even if he didn't deal with all this shit. So he his mind is completely out the door. Tyrod Taylor is actually a pretty solid quarterback, but um, he he's I don't I don't trust his offensive line as far as I can throw him, and I can't throw very far. Um, <laughs> the, the the running the the running um, the running back uh, lineup is not terrible, but again, we're dealing with a run, uh, with an offensive line that I don't have trust in. They have like seven tight ends, like that t- tells you your team has it's just fu- it's just fucking ridiculous. Like this is this is bad. And then their defense was thirtieth in the league, and they were they were one of the worst running defenses in the league, if not the worst. And they didn't do anything to fix it. <laughs> I mean, guys, this team, we might see a historic season, the perfect season. They're going to go 0-17. <laughs> I'll see you think. 0-17? Uh, you know what? I'll give them one win. No, no, no. The last week, they'll probably first. play a team. They'll probably play like a – Probably play like a like a Chiefs team that that has nobody playing because they're ready they're gearing up for the for the uh, the Super Bowl run. I don't know what their last game is. I'm throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, I'll give them one win, one, one. Well, buddy, I, I agree with you, man. I give them two wins. <laughs> oh wow, you're generous. Yeah, honestly, guys, Deshaun Watson was the only reason they won four games last year. He's probably not going to play in the NFL in the near future. Um, so without him, there's really no Texan team at all. The team, as Traden mentioned, did not get better whatsoever. And they lost a bunch of huge presences. Like JJ Watt was the face of a franchise for a long time. He's gone. Wolf of the fifth, not really the face of a franchise, but an elite talent. He is gone as well. The Texans honestly have a bad culture and that's not something you can fix in one season. So props to Dave Culley for taking this on, but dude, you stepped into a really hard role where you have to rebuild from ground zero, not even ground the basement. You got to rebuild from the basement. It's going to be a tough rebuild for you, man. There's a lot of, they're devoid of talent. It's going to be a very tough season. Alex, what do you think? Uh, yeah, they got, they got a long way to go. Uh, the team's trash. I'm going to go two and 15 as well. Uh, I, you know, it's hard for them to go. Oh, and 17. So I'll give him two wins. And Tyler. Yeah, I got one in 16. Really wanted to go big and go <laughs> 0 and 17 here. Um, but I mean, just the way so it happened, like that. it's so hard to like not win a game over 17 games. Like, I mean, if there's any team that can, it might be this team, but I don't think it'll happen. But I'll give them one win. So the four of us combined gave them six wins. 
Eric alone gave them six wins. <laughs> and a tie. Come on, bro. And a tie. Well, you, you're saying it's hard to go 0-17. That's like – this is the season where they're going to get a tie. It's going to be like the game – they're going to be like – they're going to be like 0 and 12, and they're going to be that close to like getting the first win. It's going to be a tie. And then, like Traden said, they Wait, may get that one win. How many wins did you give the Jags? Me? I don't think James asked me, but I would give them you did. You said I'd say the Jags. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I said fucking four wins around. You said know. four. So you're telling me the Jags are, are worse than the Texans? Yeah. They won one game last year. That is they hot. they have the record of the team. What? They that have the record of what hot you're saying. As fuck, dude. That is what? ridiculous. Tyrod Taylor versus everything that we just talked about with the Jags. How they have no system yet. Like they're focused on the future. We're not betting on it. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> <laughs> that is hot. We'll have a moral yeah. bet on it, trading every Sunday. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna be rooting for the Texans now. I'm Oh, I, I oh, hope God. so, dude. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm, I, I'm eyeing that those two teams now because that, oh, that, that's hot. That's ugly. So now that's you're hot. a Jags fan. <laughs> no, I, no, I just, I just, I can't, I can't imagine a life like maybe in like the multiverse, like the Texans <laughs> will, will, but it's not, it's not this one. It's not this reality. <laughs> All right, let's, so let's move on to fantasy. There's not much to talk about here, to be honest with you. Running back room, you got Philip Lindsay. His ADP is 143. And David Johnson, the incumbent who finished the running back 21 last season, and his ADP is 150. So, Eric, who has a better season, Philip Lindsay or David Johnson? Well, I had both of them last year. They both didn't do <laughs> jack shit for me. So, I have grudges against both of them. So, neither, but I'll go with David Johnson because he actually was starting to pick it up and then he got hurt. So, David Johnson. That's a tough call because this preseason he's played like seven total snaps. I mean, so. Philip Lindsay. <laughs> 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 All right. Philip Lindsay it is. And then moving on to the wide receivers, you got Brandon Cooks, who you said you're probably going to pick up. Uh, he finished with wide receiver 17. His ADP is 93. He had six touchdowns last season. How many pro- do you project for this upcoming season? Four. So I probably won't draft him. Four touchdowns? Do you yeah. see him going over a thousand yards receiving? Mm. I mean, I guess his style is just like those deep balls. So maybe, but not counting on it. Okay. I like that. Moving on to the next t- team, the Indianapolis Colts, who tied for the conference win last season. They finished 11 and 5, 10th in offense, 8th in defense. Uh, this offseason, they lost quarterback Jacoby Brissett safety Malik Hooker and edge defender Justin Houston, but they did sign or they did get quarterback Carson Wentz and tackle Eric Fisher who's coming recovering from a Achilles tear in this draft in the first round with a 21st pick, they drafted defensive end Quiddy pay out of Michigan who is currently injured. So I'm hoping he makes a good recovery to make an impact for this team this season. Traden, why are the Colts going to have a good year this season? Well, I think they're – well, look, uh, we already know that Carson Wentz is out for a few weeks um, recovering from a surgery. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that already puts them back. However, however, I think that everything else that they've done enhances their team better than what, where they were last year. And I, and I believe I said this on the podcast back, you know, towards the end of the season. The Indianapolis Colts last year were the greatest wildcard team in NFL history. 
Like they were the best seventh seed that we've ever seen. And we say, I say that because they had a losing team ahead of them, you know, in, because of the way the divisions is set up. The Indianapolis Colts had a very, very good season um, by my standards. And I think that they've done very well to, uh, to improve, to improve their, you know, the offensive line. I think that, I think that they're, they're better off um, with assuming that Carson Wentz can come back in. He's going to be back with Frank Reich, who I think, who was a huge impact to him uh, when he was with the Eagles. Uh, I think that that was the main reason, you know, I, I just think that the, the, ch- the change of guard at, in, in, uh, at, you know, it, with the Eagles, I think kind of led Carson Wentz astray. And I think he's going to be back with Frank Reich, who was very, very, smart with his quarterbacks and 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 that's why i actually think that his whatever quarterback takes the helm for the first you know few week few games i think they're going to be okay enough to you know keep them competitive in games and win, and win a couple games squeak out some wins um they i do like i'd like jonathan taylor at the running back position their wide receiver their wide receiver group is a little bit questionable but again if you have a quarterback that can that can sling the ball and is smart about it you can kind of make your wide receivers do uh you know you look very good um i love jack i do like jack doyle at the tight end position but overall i think this team is 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 going to be better both offensively and defensively i love the coaching staff uh blankenship is like the greatest kicker he's fucking awesome i know we don't talk about kickers enough but he's someone that you got to bring up because the guy has like you you look at him he has these huge glasses that you think he's just a nerd and he fucking kicks the fuck out of these balls it's insane um Look, I, I think this team is going to be better than they were, or at least find ways to f- at least move in the f- further in the right direction. Do I think that they are Super Bowl contenders yet? No, but this is just another stepping stone to get there. And you know, you're you're in that you're in that progression. And they, you know, they went eleven and five last year, which is that's that's a stellar season. That's and that that put them at seventh in in their in their uh, conference. I um I think that I think that. You know, the only thing that's tough is that they're in a division with uh, um, who, who we talk about next. Titans. Yeah, we're there. We have a Titans team that is that is very stellar and it's going to be a battle for that first spot. Um, I don't think that they're going to be able to do it, but I do think that they're going to make steps in the right direction. And, and Titans better watch out because you have a team that is doing doing things the right way, p- building this team from, you know, from the outside in or from the inside out, um, getting getting the proper um, personnel for, you know, for certain jobs. And that's just what, what good teams do when they're, when they're building. And um, that's, that's why I think that they're going to have a good season. Tyler, why is Shaden wrong? Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz is not the right guy to have as the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. This dude is more fragile than a porcelain doll, both mentally and physically. He gets hurt all the time. And mentally, he's just not strong enough to deal with controversy or to deal with any kind of adversity. Perfect example, last season in Philadelphia, finally was healthy. You know, it was his team to run. But the Eagles drafted this guy named Jalen Hurts, and he was butthurt about it the whole season long. He was, you know, expecting – he wasn't sure what was going on. He was just – he was upset that no one really trusted him to be the guy. When it was just – what do you want to do? Like when you're building a team, you have to build depth in every position. That's what it was. If Carson Wentz had the right mindset, he would have been like, fuck Jalen Hurts. Like I'm the quarterback and I'm going to prove to this Eagles organization that I'm the quarterback. Instead, 
he really never gave it any effort and it was pretty much butthurt the whole time. And he's fine. He's found himself now in Indianapolis and now Jalen Hurts has taken over the Eagles um, uh, team there. Um, I just don't think Carson Wentz has the right mindset to be a six, to be a championship level quarterback. Is he going to have his moments? Of course, he's going to win games. He's going to have great plays. He's going to make this Colts team a winning football team. Sure. But he's not a, he's not a champion at all. He's not a champion, both mentally and physically. The Colts will never win a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz as their quarterback, period. It's never going to happen. Um, so that's wow. one. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, I think, you know, the Colts are very, very, are very good football team. The one thing I'm a little worried about, too, is the wide receiver area. I'm not sure if they have a real, like a stud wide receiver on that team. T.Y. Hilton, he's, we all know how great he was for you trading last year and on, on your fantasy team. Um, so I'm a little worried on the wide receiver on the wide re- re- receiver end. But this Colts team is a very talented team. They will they are going to win a lot of games. They're going to challenge the Titans for first place. But I, I don't do not think that they're the best in, in, in this division. But, you know, for me personally, like Carson Wentz just isn't the guy. It's, just, Tyler, it's not going to happen. Tyler, I, I, I want to bring us something up. The Eagles let 15 sacks more than any other fucking team in the NFL last year. 15. So if I'm, if, if, if James, if let's say James was, you hired James to protect you, but he, he continuously lets me punch you in the face constantly. (laughs) I think you'd become a little gun shy. Oh, and by the way, he then, he then took all the blame by your fan base for being shit. Now I'm not saying that he's incredible. I'm not saying that he's the, he's the lifesaver, but, but 15 sacks more than the other team. And he's, and he's shouldering the blame that you have to factor that. And you have a better offensive line at, in Indiana, in, in, in Indy. Like I said, he's going to be a better quarterback in Indy Napa than he was in Philly last year. He will. He's going to have his moments. But I just don't trust him when things will go bad at one point. I don't trust him to be able to ride that ship. Unless, unless he's done some real work on himself. And I, and I hope he has because I, I think Carson Wentz is a great talent. At one point, he was my favorite player in football. I want him to do well, but just from what I've seen recently, I don't trust Carson Wentz to be able to handle adversity and be able to have what it takes, not just to be good, not just to be, to put up fantasy points and to have a, have a team on winning season, but a championship level quarterback. I don't think Carson Wentz is that guy. I I, I personally think you're going to see Carson Wentz outplay Jalen Hurts. I mean, Carson Wentz has a better football team around him than Jalen Hurts does. But you, you, you said that he that he's the, I, the next coming of. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts uh, is more talented than Carson Wentz, though, hundred okay. percent. But yeah, I mean, Carson Wentz is going to win more games than Jalen Hurts, hundred percent. He will because he's got a better team. So who led the Eagles to the Super Bowl that year? But could you Was imagine Jalen Hurts on the Colts? <laughs> Phenomenal. All right, guys. So I think this is a prime example of how just Philadelphia Eagles fans just don't give a shit. If they they are not loyal in the least bit. They're on to what's hot now, and I'm going to roll with that one. Y'all forget, man, Carson West has been through a lot of adversity. His first year, they were not good. Yeah, he pushed through that and became the player he was before he got injured. Then he got injured, and they won the Super Bowl, but then he fought back to be trying to be the same player but was getting beat down again and again. It's hard to fault Carson Wentz for the predicament that he was in. Once he won the Super Bowl, it's, it's hard to do back-to-back. Unless you're the Patriots, that almost never happens. And you got a target on your back. 
and people are gunning and giving you their best shot. And Carson Wentz, just coming off an ACL tear, was the subject of that. It's it, Philadelphia fans, man, they they whack for sure. They whack. <laughs> anyway, Tyler, what is their what is the record going to be? You fucking weak motherfucker. <laughs> uh, the Indianapolis Colts will be ten and seven this season. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give them one more. So twelve and five, just because they have one extra game this year. Twelve and five. Okay. I'm gonna go eleven and six for them. Uh, the reason uh, they'd be better, but I'm not sure when Carson Wentz and um, damn the guard. Easy. They're really good. Who? Nelson. Oh, sorry. Go. Quinn. Yeah, Quinn Nelson. Whenever he gets back. Him and Carson Wentz have the exact same injury. Um, they're actually both slated to play in week one, but I don't know how good that actually is going to be. We'll see. Um, he reports that Quentin Nelson will play week one 100%, but they're trying to tame Carson Wentz and let him take his time. So those games that he won't play in, uh, I have a hard time believing that they're going to win. They're probably just going to shoulder the load on Jonathan Taylor, who is very good, and just rely on the offensive line, just run the ball down people's throats. But we'll see. I'll have a lot more confidence when Carson Wentz is back because Carson Wentz is a good quarterback, everybody, contrary to Tyler's belief. No, he's a good quarterback. <laughs> he's just not a championship quarterback. Wow. I never said he was a okay. bad quarterback. I just say he's not a championship quarterback. That's fair. Right. That's I mean, fair. that's there, where the Colts want to get, right? They want to get, they wanna get sure. to Super Bowl level. I don't think he's, he's the guy to be Super Bowl level. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay, I respect that. That's a good take. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, that's not a good take, but I respect it. Um, <laughs> continuing on here, you got the wide receiver room of Michael Pittman. He's going to have to take a huge step forward because he is kind of viewed as the wide receiver one now. Maybe. T.Y. Hilton kind of – is his nickname is the ghost, and he ghosted a lot of people in fantasy last season and ghosted the Colts. There's a lot of years where – or a lot of games where he just wasn't there. So we'll see what happens this year. If the team wants success, Michael Pittman needs to take a step forward. The defense, on the other hand, is very good. They were good last year. They took a huge step forward this year. I like the Quiddy pay pick a lot. Um, it just remains to be seen when he's going to step on the field. Once he gets on that field, though, he's, he's a good dude. Eric, what do you think? Um, I got him uh, 11 and 6 like you. I think Wentz. It's going to do a little better. Just like when I ranted about how the Seahawks were going to be bad, I like ended it because Wentz was going to have his comeback season. So let's hope I was right. <laughs> and Alex? Uh, I'm going to go 10 and 7. Um, I think they would be better if Phil Rivers was still their quarterback. I would trust Phil Rivers over Carson Wentz at this point. We haven't even mentioned him. Um, I, I could be very wrong, but I think I'm going to go 10 and 7. Uh, moving on to fantasy here, you got Carson Wentz, the quarterback. He's currently undrafted because of his injury status and whether or not he misses the full 12 weeks or when he plays week one. But that's the reason why he's going undrafted. If he was not injured and he was fully healthy, where would you draft him? With everything that I said, because it's fantasy, you there, there's there's too many there's too many for sure quarterbacks. I mean, he's 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 a backup. He, he's your backup quarterback at best. Um, just, just given just to, to Tyler's point, And I, and I'll capitulate on this. He hasn't really shown much. And, um, you know, you'd have to put a lot of your faith in that offensive line, you know, sh and Frank Reich bringing out the magic and, and, and confidence in Carson Wentz, which in fantasy, you don't have, you don't have the time for that. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sh table that he would, he, he could be a sneaky 
waiver wire pickup for a guy looking for a quarterback and after he, you know, kind of settles down. Okay. Uh, moving on to running back Jonathan Taylor. He finishes running back six last season, which is amazing. His ADP is 12 right now. So Marlon back is Marlon Mack is back from injury. So does this concern you at all? No, I, I think that Jonathan Taylor really, really kind of shown that he, he can take a, a heavy load. Um, and he's a very good running back in a, in a, in a system that is heavy, that is run heavy. And you know, that, that, that bodes well for you. He he's earned, he's earned the trust of his coach. He's earned the trust of his team. And, um, you know, Marlon Mack is, you know, he'll take some of the snaps and actually it could, it could uh, extend the health of Jonathan Taylor. And you might even get, you might even get more, uh, efficiency out of him going forward. Uh, currently at pick 12. So let's scenario time. Yeah. Pick 12. Ezekiel Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb are still on the board. Who do you pick? Ooh, dude, I, I have I have a soft heart for Nick Chubb, dude. <laughs> Nick Chubb, even you have the, a the soft problem heart. With, the, problem, <laughs> the problem with Nick Chubb is he is they I think the threat of of a secondary running back is bigger. But Nick Chubb is just he he's he's someone that you you he's a football player. He's a team guy, and um, and he shows it. I, I have to I have to give my pick to uh to to Nick Chubb. Wide receivers Michael Pittman and wide receiver T.Y. Hilton are both undrafted currently. Who would you rather have and why? Oh, God. Pittman. Um, Hilton, dude, like, you were invisible, bud. And you fucked me last year. I feel like Eric's saying this, but, um, you know, I just I just think Pittman at a younger age is going to be your 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 wide receiver one. Um, he's, he's going to take a, a bigger step with a quarterback who has a little bit better arm. Um, so I think that, I think that you're good. I think Pittman's a better pick here. All right. I love it. Moving on to the last team in this division, the Titans finished 12 and four, uh, second in offense, 16th in defense. The team is stacked offensively. That's an understatement. They really, really are. This off season, they lost wide receiver Corey Davis, edge defender, Jadavion Clowney, tight end, Johnny Smith, cornerback, Malcolm Butler, wide receiver, Adam Humphreys and strong safety, Benny. Kenny Vaccaro, but they did sign edge defender Bud Dupree from the Steelers, cornerback uh, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, otherwise known as Norris Jenkins, and wide receiver Julio Jones, big name right there. In the draft with the 22nd pick in the first round, they drafted cornerback Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. So Alex, why are the Titans going to be successful this season? Yeah, the Titans are going to be successful because Derrick Henry is still on their team. Uh, he is an absolute monster, and the they the way that they run the ball can dictate how every single football game the Titans play happens. It's all about ball, you know, um, time on ball, whatever whatever the stats called. Because they control. they do run it. Thank you, ball control. They run it all the time because they have a absolute. I mean, he's a monster. He's a freak of nature. Um, you know, he does have a lot of workload against him. But he's built like no other running back in the NFL. If anyone can shoulder that amount of workload, it's Derrick Henry. Um, they obviously now have a very, in, very top tier two wide receivers in AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Ryan Tannehill is criminally underrated. Um, you know, after finally getting out of Miami, coming to Tennessee, um, you know, taking over for Marcus Mariota of all people. Um, you know, Tannehill can run a little bit. He had 266 yards on the ground last year. You know, he's not Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or someone, but he can get after it. 
He had 33 touchdowns, almost 4,000 yards passing for a team that does not throw very often because you have Derrick Henry. Now, the games are going to be a little boring. They're kind of like Islanders games because it's a lot of Derrick Henry runs for four yards. Derrick Derrick Henry runs for three. But they win games. They're going to be good. The only question mark is can their defense hold up enough? Um, You know, you said they were 16th ranked last year. They're probably going to be around the middle of the pack this year. Um, I expect their offense to still be top top 10. Um, so they, they should be very good. Um, and I feel like it's their division to win. I like it. Eric, why is Alex wrong? Uh, um, I mean, he's not really wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> Derek Henry is going to be the top fantasy running back. Um, nobody draft him. I want him. <laughs> Julio Jones, though, all right, he kind of faded out with a QB on the level of the name of Matt Ryan. So Tannehill is underrated. He is good. But the second things go wrong, you, you're going to see all the blame go at Tannehill. That's if Julio Jones doesn't perform up to his expectations, such as last year where Matt Ryan got a lot of the blame. But, yes, that was the Falcons. They were dog shit. But – One thing, I always talk about the schedule, one little stat, they have 12 consecutive games in a row before they have a bye week. That's the longest of any team this season. Derrick Henry is going to literally probably have his legs fall off by week 12 um, because, like Alex said, all the workload is going to be going to him. Um, And they're going to need that bye week badly. that week helps. You look at teams that are, that get beat up. Um, you know the teams that have it halfway through their season can benefit from it. They're going to have it towards the, the tail end of their season. Um, but let's look at their schedule: Cardinals at Seahawks, Colts at Jets, at Jags, Bills, Chiefs at Colts, and at Rams. I I don't think they're going to do as well at the start of the season. I think they're going to go five and four in those games. Um, but of course, Derrick Henry is going to go off. And that's my take. What's the record going to be? <laughs> uh, they'll be 10 and 7. Alex? Well, they get four free wins just by playing the Texans and the Jags twice. So that's four right there. Uh, I'm going to go – they're going to uh, – 12 wins again, so 12 and 5 this year. I agree with you once again. That's like the third time that's happened today. <laughs> 12 and 5. Titans, honestly, were a very good team prior to the offseason, but they got – so much better. Julio Jones may not be the same guy that he was five years ago, but he's still an impact player. He's not one of the all-time great wide receivers to play right now, but he he will go down in history as one of those people. And he hasn't completely lost a step. Like people just think that Calvin, like the fact that Calvin really came in and took over the entire workload, people forget that Julio Jones is still a major red zone threat. Matt Ryan just didn't look his way. He's a big body in the red zone. He can catch touchdowns. But the fact of the matter is, as you guys have mentioned before, they're a team that runs the ball and controls possession. Whenever that gets stuffed, it's an easy little dump off to A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. This offense might be unstoppable. It's kind of scary to think about. And honestly, that defense didn't get that much better. But if they control the clock, they didn't really have to be. They'll take 10 minutes off the clock and run the ball slowly and surely right down the field, score a touchdown. If they stuff that, Throw it downfield, Julio Jones or Edgy Brown's going to catch the ball. Hard to defend. Traden, what do you think? Yeah, 
I like twelve and five. I think that's this this team's this team's good. And Tyler, thirteen and four, one up y'all. Oh. Okay, <laughs> Alex, let's talk fantasy real fast. We got quarterback Ryan Tannehill finishes QB number seven. His ADP is ninety eight. You had mentioned this before during when we talked about this a second ago, but do you think we're still sleeping on Ryan Tannehill? I think so. Um, I think I had him either QB nine or QB eight in our rankings. I cannot remember off the top of my head. Um, but I and typically I'm one of those guys that waits on QB. I'm I've never really been one to draft the top guys right away. So if you you know leave your fantasy draft with Ryan Tannehill as your QB one. That's not a bad. That's not a bad spot to be in. So, uh, yeah, I think he's possibly like one of the most underrated quarterbacks in real real football and in fantasy football. Love that. Uh, running back Derrick Henry, who apparently Eric is trying to target, so let's get him before he does. Finished as running back three last season. His ADP is five. Are you worried about his lack of pass catching in a PPR league? Um, not really, because he's going to get so many touches anyway he's not he's not the pass catching back that's not his skill set his skill set is being a freak of fucking nature uh (laughs) he will he will it doesn't matter who you are he will run you over um you know so he still will get enough touches on the ground where those counting stats of yards will add up um and i fully expect him to finish top five um you can draft him anywhere from pick two to five um but christian McCaffrey should still go number one so as I mentioned, he is ADP five, and you you said you could draft him two to five. How high would you actually take him if you had a chance? I would take him at three. I think I had him ranked number three. Um, but if you feel if you're if your name's Eric and you feel very strong and you want to take him at number two, go for it. But I still don't think you should take him number one overall. Okay. Last but not least, we got the wide receiver group who is very talented. AJ Brown finishes wide receiver number twelve, and his ADP was twenty. Is ADP is 26 this season and julio jones who had a year full of injury finished as wide receiver 52 his adp is 50 so aj brown at 26 or julio jones at 50 who would you rather have and why well i think i used to have to go aj brown um his skill set and he's still probably going to be the number one wide receiver he's been in that offense with Tannehill now for a couple of years so they do have a little bit more of a rapport um, Julio Jones, first ballot Hall of Famer, might just take a little bit of time to still work his way into that offense. So, um, if you want to, if you take um, AJ Brown at 26, you're getting a stud. If you're taking Julio at 50, you're getting a stud 1A. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Julio's like you're a top wide receiver, like you're, you're wide receiver one anymore. Um, but I feel like they're both being valued pretty much where they should be. I like that. All right, that pretty much wraps up AFC South. Thank you guys for listening. All right, so we got one more after this. Uh, James, doing a great job. Football is almost back, you guys, so that's very exciting. Uh, We're going to take one more break, or we're going to take another break, and then um, Eric's going to lead us on a celebrity fandom conversation, I guess is a good way to put it. Be right back. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. 
Dimers started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are on to our third segment of the day, evening, whatever time you're currently listening to this, I guess. Uh, Eric is going to take us through a celebrity fandom conversation, good or bad, I believe. Uh, Eric, is that right? Yes. Well, we are a pop culture podcast, and we are also a sports podcast. So why not talk about both at the same time and mash them up, just like everything I do in life. I just mash everything up. Um, Probably like when I was fat, James, and I would just eat a bunch (laughs) of ice cream. Um, I would eat a bunch of chips and salsa. I would eat all this shit all at once, um, like a little fatty. But uh, anyways, tonight I, will <laughs> tonight I will be asking each of you um, just about, like, you always watch any sport you watch. They always, the cameras always pan on over to a celebrity at the game. Um, and I'm just talking, like, maybe if you think I basically had everyone pick a celebrity uh, of their that celebrity's favorite sports team and then tell me why they're either a curse or a savior. So I'm going to start things off. And I got Justin Bieber and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And guess what, people? Of course, he is a curse to this team. Uh, Ever since he was seen at their game seven versus the Bruins in 2013, up in that suite, uh, they have literally been truly cursed. It was probably way before that, but let's blame it on Justin Bieber. Why not? They blew a 4-1 lead that game um, and lost the series. Traden, I know you remember this a lot um, because then 2017 through like right now, they've lost every playoff series since. And we've all seen what happened to them this past year. It all speaks for itself. I think we've kicked them in the nuts enough on this podcast, but um, I think probably most of you would agree, but I'm, I'm going starting off. Justin Bieber is a curse to the Maple Leafs. Uh, Traden, what do you got? Oh, well, I'm going to talk about Drake in the, uh, in the Toronto <laughs> Raptors. Um, and, and I specifically talk about the 2019 playoff run. This guy is a fucking clown jumping around on the, jumping around on the, uh, the court, rubbing Nick nurse's shoulders. Like, like he, he was absolutely, you know, drawing the attention all to him. And it was absolutely insane. It, it rubbed me the wrong way. And it was absolutely the best thing for the Toronto Raptors. He is the greatest thing besides Kyle Lowry and I guess to an extent Ka- Kawhi Leonard that has ever happened to the Toronto Raptors because he's the greatest Vince ambassador. Carter. Huh? Vince Carter. 
Yeah, no, at this, at this point in the, in, like at this point right now, he's, he's the greatest thing that they could have for, you know, for an ambassador for the game, for the Toronto Raptors. Look, nobody gives a shit about the Raptors. Nobody except Toronto fans and Toronto's if, if the Maple Leafs are playing, they're way more focused on that. Drake is extremely eccentric. He pisses people off, which is, which, which automatically is a gold star from, from an ambassador standpoint. Um, he loves his team. He does a lot for the team in terms of chair, you know, charity and involved and involving and pretty much putting himself into the entire culture. Um, you know, it, it's, it's exactly what you want from a, from a, from a, from a, you know, guy like this, because everyone gets pissed about it and everyone talks about it and they're talking about the Raptors. And I, not, that's why as much as I, you know, as much as I thought it was absolutely a clown show, it is the greatest thing that, 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 um, you know, happened at least in at least in recent times for the uh toronto raptors and you know i i, I love it i think it's I, I think that's a i think it's a gold star even though i don't didn't like what he did that's the point i love it <laughs> yeah i thought this was going to be a shit on toronto segment but it sounds like you're telling me drake is a savior for the raptors yeah i guess you're right um but let me tell you this um i'm not a, like the biggest drake fan but when they got swept uh, two years in a row by LeBron, he had some song and it was like turn a 2 to an 3 That was kind of funny because that's literally what happened. It's like they went 0-2 in a series and then they went 0-3 and they got swept. But all right, so Beaver's a curse. Drake is a savior. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, so I'm going uh, Midwestern team. They never get any love. So I'm going Paul Rudd and the Kansas City Royals. First of all, you can't say anything bad about Paul Rudd. He seems like the nicest dude in the world. I'm pretty sure all of us would be super pumped to, like, sit down and get a beer with him. He's the best uh, actor person in all the Marvel movies. The funniest one. He doesn't age. He's a beautiful human. And he's a huge Kansas City Royals fan who don't get, you know, the love that they deserve because they're a small market team. They are usually not very good. They finally won a World Series a couple years back. And, um, you know, after they went to the 2014 World Series, uh, which, you know, they obviously did lose to the Giants, Paul Rudd was on the field celebrating with the Royals, and he goes, Kegger at my mom's house. And if that's <laughs> not the epitome of a great celebrity fan and Paul Rudd, I don't know what else is. So I'm going Paul Rudd, definitely a good thing for the Kansas City Royals. You know, really small market team, one of the smaller cities in, you know, baseball that has a team. Uh, so good on you, Paul Red and the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I think I think you you nailed that one on the head. Everybody loves Paul Rudd. Um, I love you, man, etc. Uh, role models. What does he say? Uh, Venti means twenty. Congratulations, you're dumb in two languages. Um, but that he is a great dude, and rooting for a team like the Royals, a guy like him, you gotta like him even more for that. Um, Tyler, what do we got? Yeah, another another baseball celebrity uh, connection here. Not so much of a small market going to New York, but definitely the uh, little brother of New York baseball, the New York Mets. They got a super fan in Jerry Seinfeld, one of the greatest comedians of all time. Uh, one of the biggest Mets fans of all time. I mean, he's thrown out first pitches. He's had his own bobblehead night there. Uh, he had back when he had the uh, Seinfeld show, he had a player come on to his, and, and, and guest on on one of his shows um he's been on you know Mets talk radio i mean he's he's very involved in the fandom and one of the leaders and voices 
of the Mets. And um, I think that Jerry Seinfeld embodies a Mets fan or particularly really a baseball fan perfectly. I, I love Jerry Seinfeld's love of baseball and the love of the Mets. Um, I love how he shits on Yankees fans um, for basically being spoiled. And, you know, it's like you have one bad season, you're crying about it, and, you know, it, you know, but try being a Mets fan is like we've been bad for 90% of our existence and we still love our Mets and we still love going out there to watch baseball. And you can tell he's a guy that just loves baseball for what it is. Um, he was rumored to possibly be in the hunt for, uh, buying the Mets, you know, last year when they were up for sale before Steve Cohen bought it, but Jerry Seinfeld wanted nothing to do with ownership. Um, and I, he, he, he had this quote um, that I thought was amazing to me. I know Jerry Seinfeld, obviously, obviously a super successful comedian, a guy that could probably at least have part ownership in a baseball franchise if he wanted to, but he said, and I quote, the absolute pinnacle of being a baseball fan is a seat, a hot dog and a beer. Ownership does not make that experience any better. So why complicate perfection? I mean, that's beautiful. Um, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, one of the coolest, I think, celebrity baseball fans there, 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 out, there are out there. He, he loves the game for the right reason. So I think Jerry Seinfeld, great baseball fan, great Mets fan. It's a good thing for the Mets. Yeah, that, that sounded like poetry, Tyler. Um, All right, so I, I, I'm glad you tied in the poetry to the pop culture yeah, of yeah. this podcast. Um, so, geez, I'm the only negative one so far. I'm the only one who talked about a curse. Everyone else talked about saviors. James, you're the last one, but not least. What, what do you got? What do you me? think I'm going to go with? Do you think I'm going to go with Curtis or a savior? You're going to go with something football and probably a curse. You're over two in that sentence. I'm not going football <laughs> and I'm not going with a curse. <laughs> That's what I was hoping so, for. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go Will Smith and the Philadelphia 76ers as a savior, as a, as a blessing, I should say. Much like Alex was talking about Paul Rudd, everybody loves Will Smith. Like, he makes some great movies, and he seems like a pretty personal guy to be around. Um, like, who didn't like Hitch? Like, there's that scene where he gets, like, that seafood thing going on. <laughs> I will always remember that as he's chugging Benadryl and coughing. Like, oh, <laughs> shit was funny. Will Smith, great actor, great human being. Like, he kind of allows people to do their own thing. He lets people fail, and he helps them through it in a way that's more of, like, a father figure. As opposed to scolding you and telling you you fucked up, something that I would do. He's more like, all right, let's talk about it, and we'll work through it together. And that's kind of what he embodies in being a 76ers fan. He, that's his hometown team. He grew up in Philadelphia. And Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, his, that first line is in West Philadelphia, born and raised. That's literally what's happening in his life. He, he, that's his hometown team. He actually owns a min, minority. He owns part of that team. Him and Jada Pinkett Smith own part of the 76ers. Not a majority state, but still he's part of that. And he, I think he's infusing some of that fatherliness and some of that um, good ethics and good ideals into that franchise. Because over time, you're seeing them change. They went from some one of the worst franchises for a long time. Like, they were terrible for a long time. After AI and Eric Snow were gone, they were bad. And slowly but surely, they're building up to being a great team. Like this last season, you saw them be a great team. And I'd like to think that Will Smith has a part of that. Honestly, he probably doesn't, yeah. but I like to say that he does. What has he really <laughs> saved about them? But I guess you, you kind of answered that question, but... I guess there's more to come to see if he really is the savior or not. 
but he has helped them along the way for sure. They were just a straight doormat. Um, they now have Doc Smokey Rivers, who uh, smokes a lot of games, especially game sevens. We'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I guess I'm the only negative one tonight with the curse. Um, we got four saviors, one curse. But, uh, yeah, I think um, as as the week goes along, I'm going to think of more more now, and um, I'll, I'll send them over to James. Maybe we'll check them on the Instagram, but that's all I got tonight. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Usually we're like a pretty negative bunch, so I'm surprised we often go just full shit on them. Uh, but, that was, but, that, but that was a good one. I like that one. It, I, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of celebrity fans of teams, so it was a fun one to think about. Uh, okay, we're going to take one final break, and then we have some hockey news. So Trayden's going to get back to hockey for a little bit, uh, so we'll be right back. All right, we are back for our last segment of the pod. Traden, there's some hockey news going on. What's happening? Yeah, man. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, crazy news going on. Um, you know, I, I you know I, I I give my condolences to the to the Hayes family. Jimmy Hayes, you uh, he uh, passed away at a very young age. Um, he's a professional hockey player. He was a he's actually brother to. Um, to star Kevin Hayes, who's who's such a such a great um, personality, um, and um, you know we we're, we our thoughts and prayers are, are to you and your family. Um, the biggest news besides that is has to do with the hockey team and a hockey team that I had have pegged would not be in their home city for very much longer, and it's happened a lot sooner than even I thought. The Arizona Coyotes. Um, are, are threatening or are, are being threatened of not existing in Arizona anymore. Uh, the city of Glendale is terminating the Arizona Coyotes lease for the city-owned Gila River Arena, leaving the NHL franchise without a home for the upcoming 21-22 season. So after this season, they no longer will have a lease with, with the um, Glendale Arena, which I don't know if I've said this on the pod. I know um, at least from from uh, people that are in the area or or, or fans of the area that it, it's a very hard stadium to get to, especially if you live in Phoenix. You have to battle a lot of traffic, so they they had a lot of big problems with attendance. Um, but this is the quote that the city of Glendale <laughs> gave. <laughs> With an increased focus on larger, more impactful events and uses of the city-owned arena, the city of Glendale has chosen not to renew the operating agreement for the Arizona Coyotes beyond the coming 2021-22 season. That is basically saying, you motherfuckers, don't make me money. Get the fuck out. <laughs> it's pretty fucking sad uh, that it comes to this, but I, I foresaw this coming. The, uh, the, the Arizona has battled an issue with fans just because it's such a hard, again, it's such a hard arena to get to. Um, Arizona is not really your hotbed for, for sports uh, or I'm sorry for, uh, for hockey. Um, There are a lot of Canadians who stay like a lot of retired Canadians that, that flee the cold weather to stay down in Arizona, but you're only getting your away fans that, that show up. So the, you know, Edmonton's only there like once or twice a year. So you get, you know, my family will go and watch the game, but that's one game. You know, if, if you're if you're thriving off of away fans, you're not you're you're in, you're in trouble. So I know that they are working very hard to find a, a way to stay in Arizona. But I thought this was a great idea for the TLDR podcast team to figure out where the fuck Arizona should go. So 
I told everyone to put their creative thinking caps on unless they want to be more logistical, which is kind of boring. So I, I, I was hoping for more open, you know, out of the box, fun thinking. This is a very fun group. James, you are like, you wanted to go first. So what, like, where is Arizona going? Okay. Let's just, if you were the owner of the Coyotes, right. Being in Arizona leaves a pretty bad taste in your mouth after what was just said. And honestly, being in it, like the Coyotes didn't really have much success in Arizona. So let's think about what the complete opposite of Arizona is. Anybody venture to guess? Uh, somewhere north. Seattle. There's a second Seattle team. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anybody else? Canada. All of Canada? They're yeah, gonna be Russia. Thing. What's the opposite of Arizona? Like Russia. Like the Northwest Territory? Like that's cool going, as fuck. I and North, I guess, Alaska. The North Pole. Alaska. Europe. Alaska. Yeah. Alaska. <laughs> the answer is Alaska. <laughs> You're going to put a team in Alaska. We're going to fucking Alaska. We're being called the Eskimos. The Alaskan Eskimos. And they're going to have literal coats. Wow. <laughs> like, are they going to be in Anchorage? Yeah. Yeah, because that's where U of A is. <laughs> the ring's going to be in Igloo? Yeah, wow. dude. And they got penguins animal. rolling around, and you can train the penguins to bring it's your a, to you. And be a polar bear will be the mascot. Look, they <laughs> pay people to live in Alaska. Alaska. They're gonna have to pay people to show up to the games, just like in Arizona. Yeah, but the thing is, people won't be pissed off at that. <laughs> like, <laughs> people, the Alaskan government's not gonna be like, "Yo, wow. uh, you're not getting enough money." They're gonna be like, "Here, I'm gonna pay you more money to live in Alaska to come to these games." Wow. So that is, I think, it's a fantastic idea. And the name, the Eskimos, actually fits the area as opposed to the Cleveland Guardians. Um, so that's a thing there. Wow. Hockey, that, that, or Alaska is a beautiful place too, guys. By the way, I've never is. been, but I've seen pictures online sometimes about Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh, Alaska as a whole has seven, sent 17 players to the NHL. So let's just, you know, go hockey in Alaska. Alaska Eskimos. That's very intriguing. Gary B, <laughs> get on it. Gary B needs to make sure that this team goes to Arizona. The only Alaska. issue is the um, so <laughs> not that this really matters because this is all hypothetical anyway, but Arizona this year is part of the central division for the first time because Seattle's coming in. They had to push someone out. Um, you would have an issue of having to reload, you know, figure out your divisional divi- things, but it doesn't really matter. This is all for fun. I love Dude, you got to move if, Calgary out of the Pacific division. If you move Calgary out of the Pacific division, you have to take Edmonton with it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, like that's cool with me. <laughs> then, then you've got to bring another team in. So you bring Colorado the ducks out of there, man. Yeah, we'll bring we'll, we'll bring everyone Colorado. in the central. Four teams in the Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> Give me all the bad teams in the Pacific so the Ducks can actually win. <laughs> well, then you want to keep Calgary because they're 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 shit. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I like I like Alaska, but uh, Eric, uh, I mean, do you, do you have any good ideas? I mean, you got Houston in the background. Are we going to Houston or what? Yeah. That so surprise, surprise, they're moving to Houston. Um, I like that idea. And this is why it's the fifth largest city between USA and Canada. And it's the most populous city that currently doesn't host an NHL team. And what will their name be? The Houston Cajun Crawfish. Oh my um, God. Remember the, the freaking the smokes, the, the filthy smokes? Yeah, what, what was that again? Smoke? I was trying to remember that earlier. Was it the, the something smokes? Like the Washington yeah. half smoked. 
Yeah, smokes. <laughs> well, yeah, so I did the same thing here, actually. I just basically mimicked that. I looked up, like, the most popular food, because actually the food in Houston is pretty good. Um, but, yeah, their biggest thing, Houston, the Cajun crawfish. So there's more than 10,000 restaurants in Houston area, and they have culinary choices that represent more than 70 countries. Um, so... Houstonians dine out nearly more than residents of any other city 6.9 times per week. Ha ha ha. Compared with the national <laughs> average of 4.9. So they like to eat out a lot and they like to eat Cajun crawfish. And Houston is a big popular town that needs hockey. So uh, yeah, look at that go. first, that first, that giant picture. There That's you go. Perfect. Have you is, is that what you're thinking of? Boiled up? Like, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Boiled? Like, That'd be kind of cool, like, as your jersey. Like, you can be, like, red and white. You can have the, the giant crawfish on the so, center. So, Cajun, Cajun like crawfish is a, is a huge thing in, in Houston? I didn't know that, actually. I mean, maybe. This is this was a quick Google <laughs> search, you know? Like, this is... This is... To, like, Enola. That'd be this good. is the most true stat, you know? But it could be. So, let's just roll with it. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like, like it. it. I like it. Been church's um, chicken, too, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have thought that Houston is a is a big is, is a big opportunity for uh, for Arizona to, or at least that that group to, to find a city that actually has fans that will go to games. Um, so we'll see. Tyler, what do you got? Yeah. Um, so there's now 32 NHL teams. There's only six that are in Canada. I think that's kind of crazy. You know, Canada being the birthplace of hockey and it, the mecca of hockey culture. We got to get another NHL team in Canada, guys. Like, come on. Like, I, I, I know we – USA, yeah, yeah, yeah. But come on. Like, Canada, people in Canada love their hockey. They're going to love having a new hockey team in Canada. Um, so I did some research to see what city in Canada would be a good fit or, like, meet, would want a NHL team. And according to the ethers of the internet – that place is Quebec, Quebec city to be specifically. Welcome I don't know back. if that's true. So Canadian people, like, please let me know if that's not true or not. But from what <laughs> people, you're absolutely right. But, but for my research, I think also, you know, the Quebec city, whatever the mascot, I don't, I was kind of going with, I think the Quebec city Northman would be kind of cool just to kind of, you know, do the whole Canadian thing with kind of a cooler twist on it. Um, but that's kind of also, you know, like there's the Montreal Canadians kind of same thing. I'm surprised there isn't a, a Canadian team named the Moose yet. The Quebec City Moose. I think okay. that'd be pretty cool. Moose, big, giant, bulky, you know. Moose. With, yeah, Moose. Moosin. <laughs> yeah, so I think the Quebec City Moose would be super, super cool. Um, okay. I think, you know, like I said, I, th I would love to see another Canadian hockey team. You know, I think just the culture, obviously, there in Canada and hockey, I think they deserve it. I mean, Quebec City used to have a team. Um, it used to be the Quebec Nordiques. They are uh, ah. they, they they them losing that team. I think has been tough for the city, uh, at least Quebec City, for a long time now. Um, and this is this would be an opportunity for the Nordiques to come back. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Nordiques are now the the um, Colorado Avalanche, um, and oh. in and in their. Uh, in their outdoor game again uh, in Tahoe this past season, they they did pay homage to the Nordiques by their jersey was the the Nordiques logo, which was very very cool. Um, paying homage to that team, um, so Tyler, I think Quebec City would 
I, I think that people of Quebec City are, and I guess all of Canada are, are just, you know, salivating at the idea that Quebec City is going to have a team again. Do it. Because um, that's, to be honest with you, that's the only viable city in Canada that makes sense. There's no other city that could probably do it just because there's just not enough people. Yeah. And um, so the internet was right on this one. Yeah. So unfortunately it. it's all, you know, it's all about money. So, no. but um, I, I love that idea. Um, last but not least, Alex, where, where are we going with? Uh, yeah. the okay. Guys? So first you said Arizona is not a hotbed for hockey players. Uh, that Austin Matthews guy is from Arizona. So just want to point that out. Yes. I know you're a huge Leafs fan, huge okay. Leafs fan. Um, Got I have, I have two answers. Um, one, little less serious one slightly more serious uh we'll start with the less serious because that's more fun uh the arizona coyotes are going to go back to winnipeg because when you think of canadian destination cities winnipeg is obviously the first place you think of they deserve two hockey oh my god <laughs> two hockey teams in winnipeg uh the winnipeg jets when they were the jets way in the past became the arizona coyotes they're going to go back to Winnipeg, but they're going to be called the Winnipeg Helicopters. Jet oh Helicopter. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> wow. shit. Not only if they're in Winnipeg again, they can still be in the Central, so that works out great. Okay, honestly, that's that's obviously very unrealistic. Winnipeg cannot, cannot sustain two hockey teams. Oh, oh God. The Helicopters? <laughs> oh, helicopters. Uh, okay, my real answer is along Eric's. Um, I'm going to go with Austin, Texas, though. So it's a, the capital city. There are no professional sports teams there. It's one of the you know high, biggest growing cities in Texas and in the States as we speak. Um, again, same thing. They'll be able to stay in the Central. For Texas being such a big state and having so many professional sports teams, it is a little strange. They only have one hockey team in the Dallas Stars. So I think uh, Texas should get another one. And I'm going to call them the Austin Armadillos because that sounds like fun. Also, I was thinking like the goalie pads would look sick with like armadillo, like the armadillo backs on them. They're all crunched up. I think that'd be tight. So I'm going to go with the Austin Armadillos. Um, Sorry, Arizona. You're not keeping your team. Wow. Um, I, I, yeah, I I think, I think that the, uh, that Arizona's, time with a hockey team is is quickly coming to an end i love all your guys's um ideas um quebec city seems like a, a top one or houston seems like a top one it's going to be wherever um you know i i, I guess whatever t- whatever city is going to really you know find the love for them and you know bring them in and get us the most money because that's that's really what this is all about unfortunately um, but it does seem that Gary Bettman is trying very hard to, to keep the team in Arizona. I just don't see that happening. Uh, unless, unless Phoenix, Phoenix proper will, will build them an, an arena that I think that that needs to happen or otherwise there, there's just no way. Um, if you get, if you can stay in Phoenix and go back to the Phoenix coyotes, that's what it, that's what their name used to be. I think you're in good shape, but um, I see Houston or Quebec city, you know, top contenders. So that's the news in the NHL, that's kind of the big news. There's, it's kind of the dog days. There's not much going on. Teams are kind of being a little, you know, lethargic with what they're doing. So it's, I'm just waiting for it to kind of heat up and we're still far from that. 
Well, thank you, Traden. I mean, it was fun either way. Um, I don't know why you didn't say Winnipeg was a top option, but that's fine. I'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> that does end the pod for this week. Everybody, thank you all for listening. Uh, hope you have a great week. And as always, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, talk shit about our fantasy football rankings that are coming out on the on the gram constantly. James is putting together. So, uh, other than that, have a great week. See you next time.